Amen. Pastor Dale's going to come now and share a message for us. Good morning. So we are uh, in this series where we're trying to combine two major beliefs in Christianity together. Uh, the first is that God loved us so much that he sent his own son to identify with us, to pay the price for our sin. He loved us that much. That's the first major doctrine. That's what Christmas is all about. The second one is that somebody's got to go tell that, that story to someone else, got to pass it along from generation to generation. If somebody doesn't keep passing it on from generation to generation, we're only three generations away from atheism, from having no hope. And that would be a tragedy in America. So we have a responsibility. So we want to put those two things together. Go tell it, which is evangelism. And God came to save us. That's Christmas. We're going to put those together today. So why did Jesus come? What does the Bible say? It's not what my opinion is or your opinion why he came, but what does the Bible say why he came? And I think it's going to be enlightening to us this morning. Uh, Mark chapter 1 verses 35 through 38 says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I came. Amen. So he could go tell somebody else. Don't expect. Jesus will visit you, and you will have a dramatic experience that will change your life, but don't expect it to stay like that, because he's going to go on to the next village. He's going to go on to the next person. He's going to go on to the next church. He's going to go on to the next area where people are seeking him, because everybody's seeking him. They just don't know him. People, everybody in the world is trying to find something. They're looking into drugs and sex and hobbies and this and that, business, making money. Because they're trying to find something to satisfy their soul, and the only thing that satisfies their soul is Jesus Christ. This This is a truth everybody needs to know. That's why I came, he says. Everybody is looking for you. Everybody's looking for something. It helps you be more evangelistic to the people you work with in your neighborhood around you to know that they're really looking for Jesus. They just don't know him. Somebody's got to tell them what it is they're looking for. Because they just don't know. Because God is always moving on to the next person, the next village, the next community. He's always moving on, on the move. That's why he came. A little bit later, in Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 20, it says, As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him go. Did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Bible tells us to go into the city, to go into the neighborhood, to go into our workplaces, to go into our family gatherings and tell what great things the Lord's done for you. 
You don't have to go preach a gospel. You just go in and tell people what he did for you. You just tell the story. And we all have a story, unless you haven't found Jesus yet. We all have a story to tell. We just need to tell it. I'm, I'm looking forward. We, we have uh, here at New Hope, some of you are new and may not know this, but we have semesters where we offer small groups. And the purpose of small groups is somebody taking other people in and discipling them. And so we, we need to, I need to encourage you to rise up and be a, a leader. And I also need you to rise up and be a follower. Join one of those groups because everybody grows together. Everybody grows together. I'm looking forward the next semester we do in early 2024, I'm looking forward to leading a, a group. It's a book study because I just discovered this new book that's out. You can't even get it yet, but I'm, I want to do a book study with people. This is by Dr. Kent Hunter called The Amazing Power of God's Stories. And what we're going to do is we're going to read a chapter a week and then meet together and talk about what we learned and how that applies to us and how we can make it work and we're going to tell our stories and learn how to do it, practice it. So I'm looking forward to leading that group. Anybody want to join me? You've got to sign up. And I have to figure out how to get these books because they're not even on the market yet. Okay, where am I at? Oh, I wanted to share uh, four things this morning about why Jesus came. Here's the first one. He came to save sinners. Everybody say sinner. Sinner. He came to save sinners. He didn't come to save saints. He came to save sinners. So if you want to be saved, you got to acknowledge the fact that you're a sinner. And quit this phony baloney, I'm not a sinner. I didn't do anything wrong. The last time you hurt somebody's feelings, that was a sin. You don't do that. You build people up. You don't tear people down. So we're all sinners. We just have to identify what that is. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Paul said that. Who would want to follow Paul since he says, I'm the worst? He's trying to say, if you're like me, follow me. I want to lead you out of being the worst. I want to lead you out of that. That's your testimony. That's your story. He came to save sinners, not saints. Sinners are messed up people. Hello? So what should the church look like? A bunch of messed up people trying to find peace, trying to find connection to God, trying to find renewal, trying to find where God wants us to be. Yes. So if we do our job and we go tell our story to people outside, guess what's going to happen? They're going to start coming to church. And what kind of people are they? Messed up up people. So somebody's got to come alongside them, take them by the hand, lead them how to get out of that bondage so they can find freedom. And I, I I love to tell the story of somebody that's interested about how I came to Christ because I was one messed up person and God touched my life and saved my soul and helped me get from where I once was to where I am and now today I love to tell the story of where I come from now you got to be careful who you tell that to because some people will just jump on that and beat you up with it 
But God wants us to tell the story yes. for where we came from. When he says, I am the worst, he's saying, I'm just like you. I was worse than you. If God can save me, he can save anybody. That's what he's saying. I was the worst. So Paul was shown mercy. Listen to what it says in the next verse. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy. So that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. He came to save sinners. So listen, if you came in here this morning kind of beating up on yourself, feeling down about life and how things aren't going very well, listen, I've got good news for you. Jesus Christ came to save you, to save sinners, people who are broken, people who are wounded. That's the first reason he came, to save sinners. Here's, Here's the second reason he came. We find this in Luke chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. Jesus said to him, that's Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Here's the second reason he came, to seek and to save the lost. I looked up the word lost in the dictionary and here's the definition, the primary definition. Unable to find one's way. Not knowing one's whereabouts, that's lost. Can't find your way out of here. Like being lost in a maze. You know there's a way out, but every time you turn, you take a wrong turn. Ever felt your life was like that? Every time you turn, it's the wrong turn. You keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper in the hole. The, The definition of doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting a different result is insanity. Do something different. Try Jesus. So he came for two two reasons we learn here in number two. The first is to seek the lost. To seek them. If you were looking for something lost, where would you look? The most likely place or the last place you saw it. If you lost your keys, you retrace your steps where you once were to see where did I drop them here? Where did I lay him down and get sidetracked? Lost. Jesus, if you're looking for the lost, if you're looking for sinners, you probably don't go looking in church. You could probably go to the partying places. Go to the, to the, 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 the dance halls. Go to the taverns. Go to the, where they're having a party. That's where the sinners hang out. If you're going to seek them, that's where you go. That's what Jesus did. Stop and think about this. This is countercultural for us. We think Christians are supposed to hang out in church. No, Jesus was looking, seeking, trying to find the sinners, so he went where the sinners were. He went to the parties. Read your Bible. He went to the parties. Because that's where people were he's trying to reach. He's seeking the lost. So if I have the spirit of Jesus Christ inside of me, what will I be doing? I will be seeking the lost. And the second part of that is to save the lost. He's not just seeking them. I know some churches have 
tried to reach the lost, and they, they had good intentions, tried to reach the lost by being a seeker church, seeker sensitive. We do things that are sensitive to the seekers, and, and I think we ought to do that as well. But we're not just seeking the lost. We want to get them out of there. Yes. We want to help them find their place. Yes. So we have to speak truth to them. Yes. We got to bring them from where they are to where they need to be. Yes. We need to be bold about it. Yes. All right. Here's here's the third one I want us to see. He came to serve and rescue. Mark chapter ten verses forty four and forty five says, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. We are here to serve others. If you're a child of God and you stepped into the kingdom and you agree your purpose is you want to serve God, you want to be what God wants you to be, serve is a verb. You have to do something. You're not serving God by coming to church and warming the seat and singing some songs and, and, and saying goodbye, see you next Sunday. You serve God by doing something in the kingdom. That'll make a difference in someone else's life. There are many examples in this church of people who serve. You met some of them out there in the foyer on the way in. Some of those people out there that smiled at you when you came in, they're grumbling on the inside. They didn't sleep good last night. They got money problems stacked up. They don't know how they're going to pay for Christmas this year, but they stood out there with a smile on their face to make you feel safe and secure. That's serving God. There's people right now, while we're in here uh, just sitting and soaking in the Word, that are down there pouring into our kids down at that end of the building, pouring into your kids. Some of them, they don't even like. (laughs) But they're pouring into them because they love them. There's a difference between liking and loving. I love everybody in this room, but some of you... Where am I at? Better look at my notes. So some of us need to take our time the blessings that God has poured into our life, and we need to make a sacrifice of ourselves to pour into someone else's life. We need to pay the ransom for somebody else to get set free and get out of there. God blesses us for that reason. He gives us more than we need, abundance of blessings in our life for a reason, so we can serve Him and pour into someone else. Um, I had... A dream last night, or should I say early this morning, because it woke me up, and it was time to wake up anyway, but yeah, I wouldn't remember this dream if I didn't wake up in the middle of it. But in this dream, I was, I felt like I was in a foreign country. I felt like I wasn't where I belonged, like for some third world country. There was a, I was in a, I'm going to call it a compound some of you have been in third world countries and you know that when, when people uh, are affluent and they have plenty, they'll build a wall around their property to keep it safe because not everybody else respects somebody else's property. So this compound was, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it was about five to eight acres, pretty good sized compound, a wall, over your head wall all the way around it and a main gate 
and a tower in the middle of it. And I was up in the tower, and I had a rifle. And all around the outside of that wall, I was watching a horde, a mass of people coming, trying to get into that compound. And there was a mass at the front gate trying to get through. And I had that rifle aimed at the front gate. And then I thought, I better watch this whole wall. Somebody might try to get into the back. And I'm look, looking around because I, I don't know where the attack's going to come from. But I was looking at this, and I was intent into it. And I wasn't afraid to pull that trigger, but I hadn't pulled it yet. I was looking at the crowd trying to break in. And then I woke up. I laid there in my bed reflecting on what I had just, what I had just seen. And I, I thought to myself, that compound is the church. And I have a responsibility to protect the church. And I'm a watchman on the tower. And I'm watching to see who breaks through. And these people were violent on the inside trying to break in. Nobody had broken in yet. But I had my eye out. I had a responsibility to protect what's going on inside. And I thought the timing of this dream is really interesting since at the end of this year, I'm going to step aside as the pastor of this year. Pastor Adam's going to step into that role. Why has God given me this dream now? And I believe the Lord's saying, you're not walking out from under your responsibility to be a watchman on the tower. Amen. To watch out for the thief that wants to break in and steal, kill, and destroy in people's lives. I have to be a watchman. So I'm going to keep my eyes open. I'm going to keep my eyes open, watching till the day I die, which I hope is a long way off. That's my dream. I believe God will give each of us a life-defining uh, dream sometime in our life. Some of you have already had that. You know what God is saying. Sometimes we have dreams, and it's just because we had too much pizza last night. <laughs> but sometimes it's God speaking to us. We need to hear and then reflect and think and pray. What do what you want me to do with this, God? Here's, here's the fourth one I want us to see. The fourth reason Jesus came. He came to destroy the works of the devil. First John chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. He says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous. Just as he is righteous, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. You invite Jesus to come into your life, that is going to destroy the devil's work. In other words, there's a war that goes on inside of you the minute you accept Christ as your Savior. There's a spiritual battle that takes place. On the one hand, you've got this little demon on your shoulder whispering in there telling you to do the wrong thing. And then you have an angel on the other shoulder whispering into the other ear telling you to do the right thing. And the battle goes on inside of you. Before I was a Christian, I never had that battle. I just did what I wanted to do. I can't do that anymore. I have the Spirit of God inside of me. I have a secondary voice pointing me in the proper direction. Whatever, what he said was, whatever's inside of you is what's going to come out. Whatever's inside of you is what's going to come out. And if you do, 
If you see somebody doing righteous things, it's because there's righteousness inside of that person. If you see somebody doing corrupt things, sinful things, it's because there's corruption inside their heart. What's on the inside is what's going to come out. The next time you catch yourself doing the wrong thing, the thing you shouldn't do, don't worry about looking around to see if anybody saw that. Just assume it's already been seen. God saw that. It's, it's, it's the truth that every one of us in this room is a sinner in heart. It's sin nature. We need the Spirit of God to make us overcomers over that. What is the devil's work? The Bible tells us to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does. Steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to break into the compound. He wants to drag off the weak ones. Get them outside the compound or they can be devoured. The Greek word translated destroy is the Greek word luo, and it means to undo. To undo. I would say it's like an undo button on your keyboard. You know, you know where that is? If, if you at all use a keyboard, you need to know where the undo button is. <laughs> Because you make a mistake, it's amazing. There's this one button. It's the undo button. You click on the undo button, and it brings back what you just messed up. Fresh start. I would like to say that when you become a Christian, it's like hitting the undo button. But it's not that easy. You have to do the undo actions. You do the undo actions, and it reverses the curse. When you sin in your life, it brings about a curse in your life. When you start unsinning, when you start doing the righteous thing, when you start doing things God's way, it reverses the curse. And it becomes favor. It becomes God's blessing in your life. But they're actions that you and I have to do. So I want to share this last scripture kind of summarizing what we talked about. This isn't another reason he came, but I want us to see it. Mark chapter 2, verses 2 through 5, and then verse 11. It says, They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. By the way, this is an example of serving. When there's somebody paralyzed, they can't move, they can't function, they can't get their lives straightened out, and you step in and help them, you carry them till they can get free, that's service that changes people's lives. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the man, lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, did you get that? When You can see people's faith. People's faith is visible. You can see it in their actions, in what they do on Sunday morning, on what they do with their finances, on what they do for entertainment. You can see a person's faith. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. And we jump to verse 11. 
I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Get up, take your mat, and go home. He's a paralyzed man. Paralysis means you can't function, you can't get up, you can't move, you can't do what you need to do. Paralysis will suffocate you because you can't breathe. Paralysis is when your body can't do what it's supposed to do, what it was designed to do. But Jesus forgave the man's sin, said, get up. Take your mat, clean up after yourself, fix this mess up, pick up your mat, go home. He didn't say get out, go home. The man he just spoke to has got a problem. First, he's paralyzed. He can't walk. Jesus told him to, but he can't do it. Second problem is, once he did it, the house is packed. So packed he couldn't get in. How in the world is he going to get out? But Jesus told him to go. And guess what? When Jesus told him to go and he started going, everybody moved out of the way. Everybody around him made a way. Listen, when somebody who's paralyzed gets set free and they can breathe deep again, everybody, God begins working in everybody's life to make a way. So the church needs to be working hard at opening things up for someone who can't breathe. I want to speak right now to people in this room that are paralyzed. Paralyzed financially, paralyzed in your relationship, maybe paralyzed in in your physical body. You can't. Doctor says do this, but you can't. You can't get better. You're paralyzed. You can't breathe. You're suffocating. What I want to say to you, if that's you, if you, I'm not asking for a show of hands, but you know that there's something in your life that's broken, it's dysfunctional, it's bound up, you can't breathe, you're suffocating. I want to say to you right now, in Jesus' name, breathe. Breathe. Be free. Let the chains be broken. Breathe deep because God wants to fill you with His Spirit. He wants you to take up your mat and go home. Because there's people back home need to hear what God can do in the life of a sinner. Let's stand together. God is so good. He's not done with you. He's not done with you. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, he's not done with you. Do it right now. We need to tell one another. We need to speak that truth. God's not done. As a matter of fact, he's just beginning. Because he is so good.